Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital or you are looking to get your company acquired or just need some sound financial planning and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at PantheraAdvisors.com or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we're going to be talking about the insurance marketing in India. That's for sure. We have a very exciting founder that is going to tell us about his journey and, and building, scaling, financing. So all of the above. Uh, and I don't want to make anyone wait any longer. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Direndra Mahiavanshi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you for inviting me to the show. So born and raised in Mumbai. So how was life growing up in Mumbai? We had a pretty modest upbringing. Uh, Mumbai was uh, sort of any other regular middle class life for us. School was nearby. Father worked nearby. It was, it was, it, it was a great growing up here for me. So the, your father actually worked in a factory. So, so I'm sure that you were, you, know, you were able to see the hard work, the dedication of your parents. Uh, and I'm just wondering, like, how did you get the entrepreneurial bug? I mean, was that something that developed over the course of time, or maybe there was someone in your family that influenced you in that direction? I always uh, uh, had thought that I would I would have a business of my own and I would start up uh, since childhood. Uh, coming from a background where we wanted to improve the quality of our life, uh, I I always thought that I'd work hard and come out of the uh, financial situation we were in uh, growing up. So one of the primary thing for me was uh, I thought of business as one way to rise up in life. And that's why I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And also there in India, there's a lot of pressure around studies and education. And, and would you say that maybe that was a, a trigger for you to go and, and do engineering? Yeah. my In my house, uh, education was a, was a very important, uh, was focused a lot. My parents could not study and they uh, had... So they were not able to go to school. So for them, it was very important. Their children studied. And so we were three brothers growing up. Uh, there was a lot of focus on education for us. And that's why, uh, you know, every Indian uh, parent wants their child to either become a doctor or an engineer. And uh, we grew up uh, with, the, with the same uh, target that we had to grow up to become an engineer. And that's what I did. So then what happened after you got your degree in engineering? During my engineering, I, uh, I did my uh, course training in a factory. And I decided that I did not want to do that. And I thought that, uh, you know, one way for me, I, I wanted to be a marketing person. I wanted to spend my time in business development. Uh, so I thought of doing an MBA. And that's how I 
appeared for an exam called CAT here and uh, joined an institute called IIM Calcutta. I studied there for two years. That's that's very interesting, actually, because you know on the engineering side, you know typically there's some interesting transition for entrepreneurs that go from engineers to to business people. But it seems that here in, in, in your case, you understood that transition very early on. So so at what point do you decide, hey, my thing is more business versus engineering? During uh, my uh, my training, so I was training in a in an infrastructure conglomerate uh, called Lassen and Dubra at that time. Uh, during my training, I uh, had some opportunity to uh, participate in uh, some business development activity by accident. And I enjoyed that a lot, although I was just a, a very junior uh, person just participating in the process at that time as a support uh, to the uh, sales manager then. Uh, but that experience was very, very awesome. And I, and I realized that, okay, that is something that I would want to do. And, uh, and a great way to get into that would be to uh, would be do a classic MBA in marketing and then join an FMCG company is what I thought I would do uh, and get into, uh, get into marketing. So then talking about marketing and, and then also sales, after you got your, your degree, and especially your, your post-graduation, you went into ICC Lombardi where you were doing corporate sales, but that was the segue that really got you into the startup world because then you joined quicker. So how was that transition from the corporate world to the world of startups? So ICC Lombardi was a startup when I joined. They were, I was uh, part of the first a few employees who joined because ICS Lombard had just received its license uh, from the regulator to start an insurance company. And by virtue of joining very early, I had the opportunity to uh, work across different roles, different functions uh, in a constantly changing company. Uh, it was a very exciting uh, eight, nine years that I spent there. As the company scaled, it became a, a billion dollar revenue company uh, by the time uh, in my last year that I was there. Uh, and it had corporatized itself. It was part of a large bank and it had started operating and functioning like a large corporate. And I started uh, missing the action that was there in the early days of ICS Lombard. And I wanted to get back into a startup ecosystem. And this time I wanted to get, get into technology. Uh, this is around 2010, 2011. Uh, startups were coming up. This was Flipkart, Snapdeal, and those kind of companies were just, uh, were just getting heard of. And there were many new companies that were starting up. So I thought uh, that I wanted to be in be in the space of technology, and if I could spend some time there uh, in a very small startup, it would it would be a great experience for me. That's how I decided to take the leap of faith and join uh, Quicker, which was uh, just just setting up at that point. But what prompted that? What prompted that wanting into getting into startups? I mean, what what got you hooked into into the world of startups? I think the constant challenge uh, that uh, uh, that you get to experience while working in a startup. There were several problems to be solved. Uh, and uh, you know, initially, I did uh, did enjoy that as a as a part of the Lombard. Although although I was I was one of the uh, junior team members to uh, be part of that uh, uh, to be working at ICS Lombard in the initial days. But later, uh, I thought that if I could join at a senior level in uh, in a new startup with more roles and responsibilities, I would be able to uh, really get that hands-on experience of scaling up a startup, uh, setting up the team, and building uh, uh, building a new business. And that's what uh, that's what I thought I would look forward to at Quicker, and that's why I decided to join Quicker. There was this point, there was this thing in my mind that if I had to uh, start my own company, Quicker would be a great experience for me because that's where I would get connects with, say, investors. Uh, I would get a hands-on experience of uh, uh, building the business from scratch. And if I were to start up, 
uh, on my own, then this experience would be very, very useful for me. And, you know, I was uh, a little naive at that time and I thought that I will join the company and I will, I had this business background, I will pick up uh, 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 coding and I will pick up uh, digital marketing and I will learn all of it and I will become smarter and I will go and start my business. Uh, so it was, I was very, very naive. The only one good thing that I managed to do at Twitter was I built very strong relationships uh, you know, with the board, which which was very useful for me. And I also met my co-founder, Deranand Prabhu Desai, who came from a technology background. Uh, and that became our uh, the fundamental steps that we took in order to start the business after that. So how many people were in Quicker when you joined? Yeah, about 11, 12 people when I joined. Wow. And now they have like over 2,000 employees. Is that right? Yeah, right. Now they have more than 2,000 employees. So what were some of the things? Because obviously that, uh, that, that gave you exposure to really understanding how to hit on product market fit, how to grow, how to get the right people. And perhaps, you know, you saw certain turning, turning points there where you were able to really realize what it takes to build something that is meaningful and that ends up being successful. So what were your key lessons from working at Quicker? One key learning for me was that, uh, uh, you know, at Quicker, the, the platform was a consumer-to-consumer platform. But as I looked at the activity on the platform very closely, I, uh, I saw that about 60 to 70 percent of the platform was being used by SMBs, small and medium businesses, and uh, uh, and, and these SMBs were uh, people who came from very poor background. Uh, they were operate, they were working from uh, small D class or E class cities or villages. They, they had high aspirations and they were using technology for the first time to grow and to increase their income and to turbocharge their business and you know get more customers and scale their business and i was very surprised to see that because back in 2011 even you know apps were were just uh, coming into uh, were just being launched uh, uh, smartphone usage in india was very low uh, the uh, internet charges were very high penetration was very low and these were people who did not understand english and that time the characters in the on the phone were QWERTY keypads, so there was again English characters, but they were working hard, trying hard to figure out uh, how to use technology uh, for their benefit and how and and and, you know, and to use the tools that it offers uh, to be able to do their business. And that was a that was a, a key insight that that played a key role in uh, uh, our uh, business model at Tuffelment. So then, at what point do you realize? Hey, you know, I think that the that this idea that I just came across is interesting. Uh, it's perhaps time to give my notice and to go at it on my own and, and build this thing. I mean, what was that process or that journey from coming across the specific problem that right now you guys are addressing with Turtle Mint to the point that you and your co-founder decide that it's time to bring it to life? So we actually, we had a, it was not one day or one point, but we had uh, several rounds of discussions uh, around it, there, there was an immediate realization that technology could play a, play a key role uh, in insurance the way I saw it, uh, uh, because I was able to connect the gaps that existed in the insurance industry with what we were trying to do at Quicker, uh, and uh, to be able to figure out uh, uh, that this combination could work very, very well. Uh, uh, so our process was several rounds of discussion, and, and, and I think at one point in time we realized that we have, you know, if we are uh, maybe over analyzing it, it it makes sense to. I mean, we have enough uh, uh, enough understanding of uh, both the 
technology side with Anand and uh, on the business uh, side with me. And then we had also built something at Quicker, which I started doing very, very well. Uh, so we saw we th- thought that, okay, maybe it makes sense to now uh, take that leap of faith and start the uh, you know start the process of becoming an entrepreneur and start our own, uh, own company. And what were some of those early days like? Early days were uh, were challenging, but but a lot of fun, much more fun. Uh, uh, initially, there were only uh, the two of us. Uh, we had uh, uh, we had just some few uh, you know uh, a wireframe and, and a plan that we had put together when we had uh, started reaching out to the investors to raise capital uh, for our business. Uh, and we were operating out of a uh, a terrace uh, uh, that we we were able to get at a very low rent, uh, and uh, had a uh, two or three people small team who had joined us, uh, you know, early believers in the uh, in us, and uh, they had come uh, from quicker and they wanted to work with us. So uh, lots of action at that time. Uh, this I'm talking about free raise, free free raise of the capital, uh, but. Uh, the believers in in what we thought we could do, and we were not we were not very uh, sure whether we would be able to raise uh, money. We thought that we will try and build something, maybe try and bootstrap, and if if we get lucky, we would also be able to raise uh, capital. So that those are the initial days, uh, uh, and that's how we started off. So then, in this case, you know, with you guys, what ended up being the business model of Turtlemint, especially for the people that are listening to get it? So Turtlemint is an insurtech platform that uh, offers tools and technology to financial advisors who use this platform uh, to distribute insurance to their uh, in-community network. So why uh, this platform uh, works well here is because in India, insurance is an early product. Uh, It was privatized about 15 years back. And uh, since then, uh, insurance has been introduced as a product uh, to the larger customer base. However, it is uh, the penetration levels are very low here. It's, it's one of the lowest in the world. It's about 3.8% uh, of the GDP. And hence, uh, consumers are not fully aware about insurance. So one of the key role of uh, an advisor is to make a customer aware uh, of the need of buying an insurance and introducing the product to him. Uh, and uh, and hence, a key, it plays a key role in that uh, in the distribution. Uh, also, India consists of many countries, right? In the sense that every part of the country is, is very different culturally. And uh, the needs of uh, the needs of each uh, community is, is uniquely sort of explained, understood by the insurance advisor. And uh, empowering those advisors is what we do uh, using our platform. Uh, we today have about 100,000 plus uh, POSPs insu- uh, or insurance advisors, uh, and we serve about two million policies uh, to the platform right now. Very nice. So, how much capital have you guys raised to date? We have raised sixty-seven million dollars so far. We have uh, uh, Sequoia, uh, Nexus Ventures, uh, GGV, uh, Swissquana, American Family Ventures, Mass Mutual Ventures, uh, and Blue Ventures as our investors. I mean, those are all great investors. So, I guess. At what point do you realize that it was getting a little bit easier to raise money? I don't think we went through an easy experience of raising money, uh, uh, other than maybe the first round when it was more about our uh, uh, idea and the concept. You know, but as uh, as the uh, company progressed, it moved from idea to product market fit to unit economics to scale. And uh, uh, at each point, we had to validate 
the relevant questions at that time. Only very recently, what has happened is that COVID has accelerated some of the product uh, change that we were trying to bring in uh, in the ecosystem here. Uh, one big change is that insurance uh, uh, has become an important. Uh, it, it, it sort of the consumers in India have realized that insurance is important. Uh, the expense at the time of an incident uh, or a hospitalization or or an event of a death uh, could be uh, uh, putting the family in a very adverse situation and they could uh, go bankrupt and that's why insurance is important earlier the concept was that family would support each other and they would be able to bear the expenses but that's a realization here hence it has accelerated uh, the demand for the product also uh, we uh, we are the flag bearers of digitization of insurance distribution and uh, uh, we were working this large insurance companies in the ecosystem and, and and the process of digitization was pretty slow and and it was a big challenge that we had to uh, 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 th that we were facing where we had to work with the slow moving insurance companies and uh, we had to align to them because their products are available on our platform uh, via API integrations and we were dependent on them moving fast but uh, COVID has changed that the insurance companies have realized that digitization is very very critical and hence uh, 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 they have started working very, very closely with us. So uh, uh, this has led to tailwinds for the business and for also uh, tournament uh, because now we are able to not only distribute uh, the right and relevant products uh, uh, to the customer base, but also it is accelerated by by the entire digitization uh, of the uh, product distribution. And hence, very recently we started seeing uh, uh, a high level of interest from investors coming in uh, who are wanting to uh, participate uh, uh, in the insurance distribution journey of India. Because how big is the insurance market there? I mean, we're talking about a country that has 1.3 billion people. So how how big is the market? Yeah, you know, that's a uh, that's that that's the biggest point here. The uh, it's a large population. Uh, incomes are growing, and insurance uh, uh, is a newer product. The total market size today is $100 billion. Uh, it is uh, one of the fastest growing markets in the world, expected to touch $600 billion in the next five years, uh, as per a BCG report here. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, plus there is a significant amount of uh, low coverage. So, people take an insurance policy at a very, very low sum assured. So, that itself is a big gap. Uh, the middle income groups uh, uh, are not covered at all. The penetration levels are less than a percent uh, uh, here and uh, hence uh, you know uh, these factors combined uh, the opportunity is very very large in the insurance space here so it seems that you know big market you know market that is opening up you know i'm sure that there's also a bunch of people that are looking at monetizing and and competitors here so so how do you go about executing fast and capitalizing on riding this wave uh, and also being able to be focused and keep your team aligned towards the, you know, executing on the on the roadmap on the next 18 to 24 months. I mean, what have you learned on on operating in a in a market that is opening up and that is also, you know, quite of quite quite fast pace? So one of the key uh, approaches that uh, we've had is that we uh, we uh, we use technology uh, to drive business, and uh, uh, our approach towards uh, adding financial advisors has been. Uh, uh, sort of creating a fully end-to-end -end digitized onboarding journey, uh, which in the classic 
uh, format would have been uh, in an offline uh, format. Like uh, to give you one example, we have acquired more than 100,000 agents uh, or financial advisors uh, on our platform who are licensed uh, uh, on the app, who passed an exam on the app and have uh, now become successful sellers of insurance policies. An insurance company would have taken about 20 years to do this. Uh, we launched the app about three and a half years back, uh, and and uh, the hundred thousand plus uh, number. In fact, we are larger than the top three or four general insurance companies combined uh, in terms of uh, the number of distribution partners that are there in the country. So it has uh, happened because of uh, uh, the uh, entire uh, onboarding process has been fully digitized. Uh, as we speak today, we Turtlemind uh, uh, Insurance distributors are present in about seventy percent of the territory of India. Uh, which is about 12,000 plus zip codes out of the 19,000 zip codes that are available. And it has been possible because of uh, the uh, solving of uh, uh, the problem statement of acquiring new uh, distribution partners using our app. Uh, the additional thing that we did was uh, India uh, has several languages. Uh, there are about 5,000 dialects, about 25 major languages. So we launched uh, our product uh, uh, in about nine languages other than English uh, and Hindi. Uh, this enabled uh, an individual in a small market who did not know any other language, but he could now uh, work with our uh, platform because it was available in his own language and he could now sell insurance to his community uh, by having access to that app. The second big enabler has been that uh, data or internet on mobile has become very cheap. Uh, that has allowed them to consume services, internet services uh, on the phone itself. And this has led to this boom of uh, uh, budding micro entrepreneurs who are uh, either doing insurance and it is also uh, and other products uh, and uh, wanting to accelerate their uh, their income, wanting to rise up in life and uh, and adopting to platforms like us, and that is what is accelerating the growth in our space. Very nice. So I guess say, imagine if you go to bed tonight and you wake up in a world where the vision of turtlement is fully realized. What does that world look like? Every policy in India is issued on a total platform. That's, that's what the world looks like. Uh, and I'll explain how. Uh, in India, about 95% of the distribution happens through an in-person consulting. So 70% is through, through this financial advisors, but 25% is also through banks. Uh, so our technology uh, has an enterprise version, which is also used by banks. Uh, and hence, uh, we are the only player that has a, both an enterprise solution and a retail solution available into the advisor market. Banks, we have just very recently launched. Uh, if you were to uh, execute well uh, in the next uh, five to eight years, you will see a large amount of business uh, uh, being issued on our Total Core platform uh, in the ecosystem here. Nice. So so then imagine you know that, that we put you into a time machine. Direndra, and we put you in a time machine where you have the ability to, to go back in time and have a chat with that younger Direndra that is looking at uh, making the jump from, from quicker to, to, to really building Turtlement. You know, if, you, if you were able to have a chat with your younger self and give yourself one piece of advice before launching a business, what would that be and why based on what you know now? Yeah, so obviously I've made a lot of mistakes and the... Uh... Uh, all the learning has happened because because I made those mistakes. So I wouldn't do anything uh, differently. But my advice to to anybody who would be starting off would be that selecting your co-founder is very, very important. Uh, 
uh, and you cannot go wrong in that. Uh, so I hear, uh, uh, you know, some new uh, entrepreneurs say that, you know, I'm looking for a co-founder who is willing to work with me. Uh, so my advice to them is that, you know, you already met your co-founder five years back. Uh, so you, you, you have to go back to those relationships, those friendships that you have. And then, then, and that's where you figure out, uh, what kind of a co-founder you want to work with. Uh, because, uh, that is going to be one of the most important decisions because you, uh, you, uh, have to be comfortable fighting in the evening and next day again morning, you're all shaking hands and working together, uh, to solve, uh, and creating an exciting company. Uh, so that so that that's one of the most critical decisions I think that makes or breaks a uh, breaks a startup. And uh, uh, my advice to anybody who's starting up would be that be very very careful uh, with whom you start. So then, what what would be some of those tips to to really identify or even validate that maybe that individual is the right one to to join you in the journey of building the company? Yeah, in our case, so we had uh, this uh, matching skill set, a complementing skill set, uh, where I had. Uh, a very uh, a business orientation and I had these existing relationships and partnerships uh, whereas my co-founder Anand uh, he came uh, uh, from a very uh, product and a technology background and, and and that combination sort of helped us uh, have a full uh, 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 sort of a 360 degree view of the business like the one of the thing that I think is very important is that you uh, there has to be integrity uh, where you know that uh, your word matters and there will never be any deviation from what you have uh, agreed or discussed. One more thing is that the that uh, you know you, you have your co-founder or have to has to be a uh, has to be a good man. And uh, you know while uh, while there may be pressures of business, but at the end of it, you know you, know, you have to work with each other as uh, friends. And and that's why it is very important that uh, the person you work with uh, you uh, you know you respect him and. Uh, uh, you consider him uh, as being one of the best in in that would have been there, uh, who who really raises the bar in terms of execution of the diamonds. I love that you touch on integrity because ultimately integrity, you know, without without it, nothing works. Integrity, being able to deliver on your word, you know, that's what ultimately creates trust and respect, and that's all obviously applied to everything, to the way that. You find your co-founder and interact to your co- with your co-founder, or to the way that you interact with your investors or even your customers. So, I'm very happy, Direndra, that you touched on that. So, for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi, Direndra? My email address is direndra at trustmin.com. Uh, so, uh, sending me an email is the best way to reach out to me. I also have uh, my Twitter ID, it's direndra dot uh, on Twitter, uh, but mostly uh, email is the best way to reach out. to me. Fantastic. Well, Direndra, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. Thank you, Aliandro. Pleasure talking to you. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.